G'day guys and welcome back to a special episode of Dylan Friends. In big news, the show has hit over 1 million downloads and I honestly cannot believe it. Thank you all so much for your love, support, eyes and ears over the last 20 months. To go back and think of how it all started, I would honestly never imagine it getting to this. I've had the opportunity to sit down with some amazing people, have a chat and hear their story and learn from them. And it's been absolutely unbelievable and I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. But honestly and most importantly, none of this would have been possible if it wasn't for you guys and girls listening in. I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of you over the time and please don't ever underestimate the impact you've had on this show and myself. And I'd be super keen to kiss you on the lips if you can. I want the show to be bigger and better. I have some pretty awesome and exciting things in the works coming your way, especially with the new YouTube channel. So make sure you get around that one. So today I thought it'd be a really good opportunity to sit back and enjoy some of my highlights that I think have made the show what it is. There was so many to choose from and I know I've missed out on a lot of them. So make sure you let me know what yours were. Let's go. Welcome to the Dylan Friends Podcast. My name is Deborah, Dylan's mum. Strap yourselves in for some light-hearted and wholesome fun. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. To start, the legend of me dominating Brett Dillardy on the MCG was an early crowd favourite, which to this day, he still gets people coming to the street to talk about. So please... If you see him, make sure you let him know about it. This is how it all started in episode three. Now, look, um, I like to take the viewers back to how we met. Yep. This um, be good. And unfortunately, <laughs> in your case, it, it might not be as positive as mine. Um, well, is this the truth? Or we, not? We, we do remember those famous Richmond Carlton battles, don't we? And, yeah, they were big. Those big jewels, um, 90,000 at the G. Yep. Um, and I just want to take you back to a little story of, of my recollections of Yours. Okay. how this it went. And, um Mick, uh, Mickey Moldhouse, for those playing at home, um, my, my old coach down at Carlton, um, he came up to me early in the week uh, one day. Did he, he? said, he said, Dill, mm-hmm. you got the job in Dillardio. Wow. And he said, uh, he goes, Dill, mate, look, it's a, it's a big job. He is their key to their success this weekend. <laughs> I said, Mickey, if he's the key, mate, they need a new locksmith because I'm shutting him down this week. So <laughs> I set my sights on, uh, on tackling one of the league's finest. I didn't sleep for a week. Didn't you? Monday to, uh, I think it was a Saturday night game. Didn't sleep. But I'll tell you what, mate, all that preparation. And boy, uh, when it came to that time, I was, I was just up your ass all night. Oh, yeah. I was thereabouts. And I also took one of the marks of the year that night, going back with the flight. I edged mm-hmm. out of the footy. Um, for those playing at home again, you can search that one on YouTube. Just type in Dylan Buckley, heroic mark. Um, there'll be a few there, but search through them. Um, <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, I only took out poor Jackie Rewalt's legs. Could have killed the poor bloke. Um, thank God I didn't because he's going to do some great things. And from all reports, he's a massive fan of the show. So, Is he? Yeah. yeah. He has told me that. <laughs> what, what are your recollections of the night? Um, oh, well, I've got a nice watch on tonight, actually, that, uh, that the duck gave me from, uh, from that game. But, um, yeah, I think that's all that needs to be said about that game. You probably were up my... Up my ass uh, at centre bounces, but then you seem to lose me. So uh, I'm not sure what happened after that. <laughs> right? Oh, well, let's just agree to disagree on that yeah, one, mate. Oh, yeah, yeah, no worries. When I got the ass for the second time, I sat down with Tommy Sheridan and Ryan Miller and had a chat about my career and what was next in episode 27. And the next catchphrase was created. Dead set, there's nothing better than giving your dad a kiss on the lips. Well, I do love Jim. We better fill in that the Jim's a three-time premiership player and a best and fairest at Carlton. Yeah. So it's not just that he played footy and he played 164 games. Yeah, he's... he's um, I didn't realise he was such a star till we rocked up to under-16s Vic Metro training and... Um, yeah, Dill's shaking the head. I'm surprised he's gone fit through the door. Um, 
But all the parents were just going, gee, that's Jimmy Buckley's son. That's and we're, Who's Jim? You know, he's a bit older. We didn't really know that era. But uh, yeah, until you go online and see what he's done, it's it's quite impressive. And as Dillo say, he's three between you, so one and a half each. One and a half each, <laughs> we share them. Um, is it true that you still kiss him on the lips? <laughs> <laughs> that is a genuine... <laughs> I just don't even know why he put that in now because I can tell people are just going to... What? What? Where? Why would you even think of that? <laughs> I don't know, mate. I asked Deb, and she said he still kisses him on you the lips. You asked who? <laughs> Who'd you ask? Deb. Oh, that is weird. Um, but yes, I do. <laughs> Episode twenty nine. Genuinely, one of the funniest stories of all time. Sitting down with my good mate Daniel Gorringe and talking about the time he got dropped to the thirds. Before this moment, it had never come up because it was too awkward. Uh now there was a bit of a another moment that we we had at, at Carlton. Um, when I say we, it was you. Um, obviously, which is unfamiliar in AFL, we had a, we had one year where there was where there was no injuries, mm-hmm. and the seniors were stacked, still losing. Mm-hmm. The VFL was stacked, still losing. And anyway, we had literally twenty two playing in the VFL, twenty two playing in the AFL, and there was three spots mm-hmm. in the list yeah. where guys had to go and play in. The twos, twos. Yeah. So yeah, you, you, you're technically you're playing in. <laughs> you're playing twos, in, twos in the third. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're playing. You're not playing VFA. Like you're not playing AFA. You're there to play AFA. You're not playing AFA. You're playing twos, but you're, you're actually playing threes. Yeah, you're playing right? twos. There was three, there was three, <laughs> three guys. There was three. Hey, mate, we play this weekend. I'm just a third. I swear, what time they play at 8.30? <laughs> 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 no. No, there was no hey, way. Mate, we did not tell at 9. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Stop. All right. So, we're... They're there. We're there playing at Preston City Oval. Game's probably about 11 o'clock. And I said, mate, you want to go together? He said, no, 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 I've got to get there early. I said, yeah, we're going, like, go, we've got to get there early. Like, you know, the game's at, like, 11 o'clock. We'll go together. Like, it's fine. He goes, no, 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 mate, I've got to get there early. I go, well, how early are you getting there? You're like, 7 Talk me oh. through that experience and how that one came about with with the, with the chat with the coaches and just how no, you've, you've told the story one hundred percent correct. No injury, so I hadn't been setting the world on fire, but I I thought I'd been doing enough. Like I was averaging your eleven touches. I'll be honest; it was it was yeah. stiff. I like, was averaging was maybe 11, 12, 13 touches a game and a goal. Can I just say I'll just jump yeah. in to defend you again? It was because. Had a lot yeah. of young players, obviously new coach, wanted the young guys to develop. Yep. You were sort of the older one and you just like... Yeah, no, so that you're right. You know, there was a preference at the time um, to get the young players as much experience as they can, whether it be AFL, VFL. Like, great, that's good. good way to go about it. Uh, they're the future. Obviously, wasn't. I was on the back end. If someone goes down, I'm in. So a lot of players, a full list. You can't, no one's down. No one's gone down injured. So I get the, the, the heads up uh, during the week. Look, unfortunately, three guys going to play thirds football. Uh, and all, all, you know what? All week I know I, I know it's coming. I just know how this plans. I'm pretty self. I think I'm pretty self aware. And you're the same. You know you know what's going on. So on a Friday, 
Josh oh, Fraser yeah. comes over to me. One of the greatest men ever, Josh. Can I say, shout out to Fraser because he is yeah, the best one of the best. You'll ever meet. The best, yeah. Massive advocate of Fraser. Best bloke, best, great coach as well. Great coach. Um, and he goes, mate, look, unfortunately, um, you have to play thirds football. Um, you know, the way things are going with the, the club at the moment and promoting youth and trying to get them experience, unfortunately, that means, you know, you go down there, nothing changes, rah, rah. Um, so do that. And like you said, get there at 7, 15, knock the Jew off at 9. Um, uh, yeah, not probably close to quitting post that game. <laughs> like real close to, like almost walked in the office and said, bugger this, I'm not playing thirds ever again. But lucky for me, I performed. Um, there you go, told me through the stats. Ten year old kid. <laughs> I, I would have had 30 and 4 at least. Mind so, you, you were playing at 16. A one-off experience, so... It was like charity. Sometimes you know, go down there, give back to the you know community to the boys, and that's how I uh, how I perceived it, mate. But oh. yeah, not not my greatest career highlight. Very lucky to have the opportunity to sit down with one of the best callers of all time in episode thirty two, Rex Hunt. He delivered in spades when I put him on the spot to do a play by play call off the cuff. I've got your phantom sheet here. You've looked at it for about three seconds. There's a few names there, and we're going to run play by play. I'm looking forward to it. The stage is yours. And here come the GWS who have been NFG today. Toby Green, Uncle Toby, a long hand pass to the cranium. McBean, oh, does a little bit of a will of the western hand pass to Tommy Sheridan. Horse teeth got dead, kisser Dylan Buckley. 30 metres out, goal! Goal! And the GWS have come back from the brink of disaster and there's only a few seconds to go. <laughs> Love my chat with this legend, Adam Zampa. He's what this show's all about and absolutely love the motto, be yourself because everyone else is taken in episode 34. Now, what's well documented is the word, whenever I asked anyone about yourself, rare. That was the word. Is that your word? Did you, is that self-made or do you think it's just come from being rare? No, I don't think I'm rare. I'm myself. Be yourself. I'm myself. So I, I think we are brought up. I don't want to, to say too many bad words, but cricketers, they become... Losers. <laughs> bit harsh, but yeah. No. <laughs> No, nah, they, they kind of blend into one sometimes yep. because they're trying to fit into the group or the dynamic of the culture and they they lose themselves a little yes. bit. So I've tried to make a conscious effort during my cricket career to just like not really give a shit about what people think or, you know what I mean? I love that, man. Because you know the quote of this show, I hope you know the quote of this show is, is be yourself. Everyone else is taken. You live that to a T. It's fantastic. Love it. Love if you it. like that quote, yeah, love it's it. great. Because it's actually, the funny thing about this quote is that we talk about it a lot, but if you are yourself, everyone else is taken. It's actually true. You're ta- I can't be you. You're you. I can't be you. No. I'd love to be you, but I can't. You can't. <laughs> it's not. It's not possible. <laughs> Episode 39 with the Fevolution was definitely a highlight. Sitting down with him, he was an absolute hero of mine growing up, and he proved that he could get away with whatever he wanted. Love chatting to this superstar. I remember a pretty funny story. This is... This is this is probably why, I don't know, it's weird. When, when Dennis Pagan, like, we, 
I don't know why we're in the Gold Coast. I think we played North Melbourne in a game there, man. I think one of us sold it because we were poor. Yeah. <laughs> Play at the Gold Coast. <laughs> and it was like 9.30 in the morning, uh, at night and we're playing the next day. It was, yeah, Goldie's beautiful, man. And we'll stay in right where, you know, that theme park is where they shoot you up in the air with a rocket. And stuff. Yeah. The pitch and putt truck. We'll stay in right across the road from that. I think it was like a man truck. Anyway, I'm in with Ahul Houlihan and... Jordan Bannister's with um, Andrew text Walker. And then we text each other, man, let's go for a walk. Because it's like 9.30. We're like, we're bored. We're playing like a night game on the Gold Coast. We need to go out. So anyway, we walk down and then we walk past. We're children, man. Like We're like literally 15 years old. Walks is like, hey, let's shoot ourselves up in the air. We're like, this would be <laughs> sick. All right. So they, those two went, up they go. We went, up we go. We're like, oh, it was awesome. Then we went back home, went to bed. We play the game of footy, right? And we're sitting there. We've been beaten by the kangaroos. I've kicked, I got kicked eight. And we're sitting in the team meeting room, right? So we're all sitting there. And Dennis used to go from top all the way across and then work his way down to the end and he'd give everyone a spray or say, hey, we went through every player, every single game. Oh. And I was always last. I used to sit next to Murph and there was we all sat in the same sort of spots. So anyway, he's going through and he goes to Jordan Bannister. Now, Bano, you were shit-ass today. You know why? I was walking at quarter to ten last night and I see you shooting yourself up in the air in some big ball. You're a professional footballer. <laughs> Going nuts. Gets to Walker and he goes, same thing. What are you doing? You're a young kid. You're shooting yourself up in the air. <laughs> he gets to Hulahan, says the same thing. And I'm last and I'm going, oh, no. I haven't really copped a big spray. I'm going to cop it because I'm the oldest one. I'm like, this is going to be a nightmare. And he gets to me and he goes, Fev, geez, you look good today. Keep doing what you're doing, son. You keep eight. Well done. We <laughs> <laughs> get in the showers and we're noon. And then Bruce looks at me and goes, man, that's not well, man. We're all doing that. Why didn't you get in trouble? I said, man, if you're going to do stuff like that, you've got to make sure you perform, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a good lesson for the kids. You can Is that the lesson that you probably spend today? You can do whatever you want as long as you perform. Mate, that's a lesson. Have a look at the best, one of the greatest players playing right now. He does what he wants. He just wins Norm Smith. It's true. Um, I did whatever I wanted, but I just probably didn't perform. So that's probably what happened with mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At least you had fun doing it. Oh, mate, I had a shitload of fun. The Resilience Project chat with Hugh Van Kylenberg was one of my favourite chats today in episode 46. I loved hearing his story, breaking down gratitude, empathy, and mindfulness. Um, I'm really intrigued in... Obviously, the gem. So that's something that yeah. you learn over in India. Um, gratitude, yeah. empathy, and mindfulness. And I yeah. think that for me, um, I, I sort of spoke to you when I was trying to woo you to come onto the podcast. I gave you a little bit of a spiel. And it was probably even longer than that story there. And you probably, I don't even know if you read through it. But I think gratitude's something for me that like I definitely have found that is something that's changed my life. Um, I yeah. think that it's something that like it's so easy to do, but it's actually so hard to do as well at the same time. Yeah. Um, and one thing that I always wanted to probably ask you is why do you feel like gratitude is something that so many people don't actually appreciate as much as they should? Um, yeah. So, okay. So it's a really, really good question. So like gratitude very simply is the ability to pay attention to what you've got, not to worry about what you don't have. But so many of us in Australia, like we say to ourselves, if I get this promotion, then I feel happy. Or if I get um, this many followers on social media, then I feel happy. If I buy this car and drive around a car like this, then I feel happy. Um, if I play this many games for this club, then I feel happy. Or if I get picked in this team, then I feel happy. 
there's nothing wrong with wanting those things. Like they're all normal things to want. But the problem is we say to ourselves, if I get it, then I'll be happy. And that doesn't work because like you buy a nice new car and you're like, awesome, I got this car. And then like a year later, you look around and someone pulls up with the lights in a nicer car and you go, oh, fuck me. If I drive a car like that, then I feel happy. Or you go, um, you play like 50 games to your footy club and then you go, right, I got to play 100 though. If I play 100, then I'll, then I'll feel happy, whatever it is. Um, gratitude's when you look at what you've already got. We got so much right now. Like, mm. We have got so, and this is the this is the other thing. Like, the reason some of us are struggling right now is because we're focusing on the stuff that we don't have, the things that we can't do because of coronavirus. Like, there's a lot of places we can't be, a lot of people we can't be, with a lot of things we can't do. The more time we spend worrying about that, the harder we're going to find it to be happy. Instead, we go look at what we still have, and there's still plenty. Um, so, I mean, Dustin Martin, like. I sound like a flog name dropping Dustin Martin, but I'm, I'm only doing it because you're allowed to drop there's probably it. still people. Okay. There's, there's still probably people going, mate, this sounds fucking stupid. I'm not doing this. And I get that. Um, but I'll give you a Dustin Martin, right? So I remember doing stuff in Richmond back in 2000 and I reckon it was 2017. Like anyway. And um, I had this, like, we've got these journals that resilience project. So you can actually get one of our journals and you can, and you can sort of answer the questions that we've got in there about gratitude every day. And Dustin Martin walked past when we was leaving. I was like, oh, shit, that's Dustin Martin. That's pretty cool. And I got real nervous. And he looked at the journals. He looked at me. And I said, boys, there's enough journals for one each. Dusty took 10 of them. And I was like, I was about to say, sorry, mate, if you could, um, yeah, sorry. that's what. But I, looked, I said, excuse me. And he goes, what? And I was like, oh, my God, he's so scary. I went, nothing. Have a nice day. See you, Mr. Martin. <laughs> and, and he walks off with his journals. But no shit. Dustin Martin still does his journal every single day, right? That was 2016, I think it was, 2017. Yeah. He still writes in his resilience project journal every night. And you wouldn't picture it. You wouldn't picture Dustin Martin getting out a diary when he goes to bed, but he does it. I, I spoke to him the other day about it. He's like, yeah, yeah, I still do it, mate. Still, it's massive. Um, so, again, I sound like a flog name dropping Dustin Martin, but I kind of feel like if it's good enough for Dusty, it's sort of good enough for, for all of us, really. Pretty sure Xavier Ellis takes a cake for Coach Fraser. We're generally one of the good men in football. This story of Clarko and the Hawks in episode 47 will go down as one of the all-times. My favourite Clarko incident, I suppose, in terms of spray, I never really got absolutely murdered, but <laughs> sometimes you'd sit there, and I sat next to Cyril in meetings, and I've, I've mentioned Cyril twice, but he was the golden boy. Yep. So, like, I figured if I was near Cyril automatically Clarko wouldn't head in that direction for yeah. a serve. So, yeah. you know, it was almost like the halo over Cyril's head sort of somewhat sat over mine uh, accidentally. So in terms of actually getting berated myself, I didn't. But we played one game in Port Adelaide, and I don't know if you've heard this story, but um, it was 2010, I think, and Hawthorne started shit out. He was probably under a little bit of pressure from um, Jeff Kennett as well. And uh, we won, I think, 10 in a row. I think it was about 10 in a row. We we're charging towards finals. And Clarko hated Port Adelaide from day dot. He was uh, recruited from Port Adelaide and he was let go the week of the day of the grand final as the midfield coach because he'd taken up a role as coach at Hawthorne. So uh, he, he just hated losing to him. And Port Adelaide used to absolutely smack us early days, like absolutely destroy us. Anyway, we headed over to Port Adelaide and it was when they were playing that dump, um, Amy oh, Park. Yeah. You know, yeah. they used to have the tarps out yeah. and there'd be three people in the stands. Yep. Anyway... And we, we were mucking around before the game. We thought we were pretty good. We, we thought we were red hot at that time, um, which Hawthorne had the ability of doing a few times, was just thinking how good we were travelling. <laughs> but um, 
we got absolutely smacked. Like, um, never in it. Well, I say smacked. Like, we're just never in it. Lost by five goals or something. We get back, and I still get the shivers on a Monday at four o'clock. I've finished playing football six years ago or four years ago, whatever it is. Monday, four o'clock was team meeting time. And you just knew, regardless of win or loss, you, you could possibly be under the bus. Anyway, Clarko got up the front and um, he just stood there for a minute. And then we were all sit thinking, what's going on here? And, and am, I allowed to, am I allowed to swear? Yes. Yes, it's allowed to. Yeah. So he's sitting there and you can hear him starting to um, froth. Like you can hear it just frothing. And you're thinking, wow, this could be anything. <laughs> and he starts pointing to his chest, like hitting it hard. And he's going, this dickhead here. And starts pointing to himself, <laughs> this dickhead here. I fucking knew it. And I did nothing about it. I knew you guys were ahead of yourself. This dickhead here. And then clocked himself, punched himself in the face <laughs> as hard as you could possibly punch yourself in the face. It made that, you know, the, the, the real yeah. thud of, um, yeah. yeah, no, so he's, he's wobbled himself. He's clocked himself <laughs> anyway. And he's saying, line up, line up and give me one. And I'm, and as I no, say, I'm sitting no here still, but I'm also, I'm also, I'm also near the entry point to the, to lining up. Well, I just, you should have seen me. I was under a chair. I was absolutely hiding. He just was enraged by what had happened in Port Adelaide. So the next day, and he was brilliant at once the meeting finished, it was done. But Michael Osborne, who was the joker and yep. one of those guys that he probably went too early on a few things. Yeah. You know, when you, you think, yes. oh, just, just let it sit. <laughs> no need to. Anyway, so we've tucked out and Osborne's gone and bought like got all the boxing head protection and shit and like put it all over Clarko's lectern, everything for him next time he wants to punch himself in the face. But I swear, like he hit him that hard. It, like it didn't wobble him, but it would have hurt. It would have, it would have hurt that, um, you know, a blow, but to get to the stage where you're that filthy yourself, you've punched yourself in the face. And has he um, wanted every other bloke to line up and chin him? Is that sort of yeah, where? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Like because this dickhead here, as he's as he's hitting himself in the chest, I, like it was. You look back now and go, right. And Campbell Brown tells that story to Sportsman Night and winds it up. And you think too, there's probably a bit of sugar added to it at some stage. But the fear, the moment of fear when he started. You know, pointing at himself. Well, firstly, I thought was better pointing himself than it is pointing at me. Yeah. But when he punched himself, that was the moment I thought, uh, no, he's lo- he, this he's not in control. Like you know, oh, when you yeah. always assume the coach is the leader and the head of the the head of the tree. That um, he's in con- He was absolutely out of control. Like anything could have happened. We could have come out of there after punching on for twelve rounds. So guys, thanks again. We've hit a mill. Can't wait to get to two. Plenty of big things on the cards. Make sure you stick around. Thank you so much for all your love, support, eyes and ears. I'll see you soon.